This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. And as always, this is an England supporters podcast. Lots of great feedback on the series of your first England away game. So thank you very much for that. And you'll be pleased to know I have another one now for you. Firstly, though, if you would like to get involved, drop me a line either by email, threelionspodcast at gmail.com, or you can do it Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let me know your first away trip and I'll look at getting you on board. So far in this series, we've been to Greece, France, Germany. Now we're going a little further afield. Ukraine, with someone who's been a regular following England home and away since 2013. And someone who has regularly appeared on the podcast. And someone who has become a good friend over the years. Okay, welcome back to the Three Lions podcast. Here we are again. We're doing another one of our Your First Away game. And I'd like to welcome back to the uh, the podcast someone we've spoken to regularly. CJ Joyner is going to tell us about his first away game. CJ. Hello, Russ. You all right? I'm all good, thank you. Good stuff. Well, as I say, we, we've spoken to you plenty of times on the podcast about your, your previous journeys and where you've been away and told us what it's been like. Have we have actually found out who you are? Introduce yourself. Go on, tell us a, bit, a little bit about yourself. I'm a Coventry City fan and an England fan. I've, my first Coventry City match, I think, was in about 1992. It was against Everton and we lost 1-0. So we, I started as I meant to go on there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I work within sport and in schools and we also do lots of other things as well in schools. Um, we, we, we teach a lot of children in, um, in the local area and beyond. Good fun, I imagine. It is, yeah. You, you you get to meet a lot of different people. So uh, England, when did the uh, the England bug find you? The first England game I can really remember. I went to a few, I went to a few when I was when I was a lot younger. But the first first one I remember when I was kind of going on my own or but, but with a with a group of mates or whatever was um, Ireland in 2013. So it's actually relatively recently, to be honest. The year before, I went to the Euros. And um, we we actually flew in the day after we lost to Italy, which wasn't wasn't great planning. But uh, we went <laughs> to the semi final, Portugal with Spain. That was a that was a nil nil. But I mean, you got to watch that brilliant Spain team, and they had such good players back then. They're probably the best team I've ever seen, to be honest. With some of the That's best quite, players, quite a statement. Yeah, they were they were fantastic. But that was both at both club and international level. That they they were yeah. probably the best team I'd ever seen. I mean, I remember Cassias kind of receiving the ball and and flicking it as a no, you know, a no look pass to to one of the fullbacks, and I thought that's the goalkeeper that's just done that. So, <laughs> so yeah, you can't really say any more than that, really, about that about that. So, the first game when I really fell in love with England, I suppose, where I was actually there was the Ireland game and. It was 1-1. Shane Long scored, I think, for Ireland. And I can't remember who scored for England in that game, to be honest. 
But um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one that lives in the memory. To be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, with regards to it was it wasn't a fantastic game. But kind of ever since I've I've rarely missed a game since then, home and away. Well, I mean, when you said when you came to me and said I've got my my first England away game, um, and when you told me about it, I thought oh, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of research on this one because uh, I it didn't come instantly to my mind. Go on, tell us what was your first England away game. Ukraine a few months after that Ireland game it was in Kiev and it was nil nil and it was in the it was a qualifier for the World Cup in Brazil that's right so I mean this was uh, yeah as you say in Kiev in the Olympic Stadium there uh, a ground that I'd actually been to a year previous for the Euros had seen England against Sweden um, in that same ground but yeah 10th of September 2013 Ukraine nil, England nil uh, for you. Go on. So how how did it all go? Tell us right right from the beginning. What what do you remember about it all? Well, like my like my Coventry City journey, which started off with a one nil loss. Um, I started as I meant to go on. I watched a nil nil draw. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was. I went, I went with a couple of mates. We got an apartment in Kiev. It was. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Nelson Mandela House, to be honest, where um, where Del Boy and Rodney used to live. But <laughs> it was um, it it was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting place. We, we flew into Kiev. We headed headed to the city. We we got our apartment and we we headed down into the city centre. We uh, we spent quite a lot of time on the strip there. We, we actually, I think, we went from Sunday to Saturday. I think it was. So we just made a week of it, really. Right. Um, yeah, because the so, game was on the Tuesday. Yes. So, um, and when we booked everything, because of the, they'd hosted the Euros the previous year, and uh, I mean, with regards to you got the Donbass in uh, in Donetsk, unbelievable ground, and then you've you've obviously got Lviv and Kharkiv as well. So, it was a little bit like, well, where do where will we be playing? So, and I knew how big Ukraine was from the previous year, so. It was kind of like, well, we we don't want to be landing the day before the game, and then be getting. I see you booked this. You booked this well in oh, advance of not even knowing was, the venue. It was probably about March time, something like that, when we booked the flights. So right. And as I said, it was it was just a case of just plenty of planning. And we we both had, well, all all three of us had plenty of time to spend off work, so what we we could easily just uh, just spend a week there and just. Ex- explore the city really because i mean it's a nice um, city it is yeah well i mean it was obviously this was before the revolution wow. well the revolution or the war or what have you and it was um yeah it was it, there was there was a few things i remember there that just really stood out for me like we were just walking down the street and there was this statue just toppled on the floor um just in bits and you think, oh, what's going on here so we, we we spoke to a local cafe owner who just said well yeah it, it got toppled several years ago and it's kind of just it stayed there as a symbol, and it was out into the road. This, you know, traffic had to go round it and whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, but like I said, obviously the the whole the whole city probably changed to look very similar to that small area uh, within a year or two of the of us being there because it's just what happened with regards to uh, Crimea and so on. When when I was seeing those pictures on the. Um, on the TV, on the TV, on the news, and everything of of there and of Donetsk as well. It's very sad, and um, you know, I just thought the you know the, these people that certainly deserve a bit better than this because the majority of the people that live there that we met were were very nice people. 
as I said, we had an apartment. It was quite high up. I think it was quite a, quite a tall building. It's a fantastic view across the city. The other thing that stands out for me was the amount of cranes. Oh, right. They were doing a, they were doing a hell of a lot of building work. And I remember just in the week that we were there, there was there was a building that gained about three floors um, <laughs> just down the street. And it seemed like every day there was a new floor going up on it. It was some place, really, Kiev. Yeah, there was there was certainly um, an undercurrent to it where you just thought there's something else going on here that we don't kind of know about. It seemed quite secretive. Guys in uh, Range Rovers sat there in suits just all day. Just but you could see you could see through the windows, sort of four of them sat there, and they'd be they'll be still be sat there the next day, kind of thing. And you think, oh, what are they doing? You know, what are they there for? Yeah. And then there was one of the other two times where we. Uh, we were walking down the street and um, we were walking back to our apartment. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And then um, all of a sudden this van pulled up and a load of police just jumped out of it, fully armed up in, in riot gear. And they were, uh, they took our passports off us and they were, they were checking our IDs and making sure we, we were who we said we were. I don't know how they did that, but, and I mean, that was a little bit scarier because we thought, well, you know, are we going to get our passports back here? Are we going to, are we going to end up in the, we're going to end up in the gulag? And no way. So we were, we were a little bit worried there about what was going to happen, but they, they said, okay, on your way. And you know, that was it. And the police were certainly interested in there. I've, I've got to say, I've, you know, there were a lot of stories. One of the lads that we uh, that I was with um, caught a bit short and uh, right. went down went down a side street, you know, to relieve himself. And uh, apparently, he'd only got his zipper halfway down before uh, he had a tap on the shoulder, and it was two policemen. And um, they uh, they basically asked him to um, asked him to pay up, or or they'll take him to the police station. So really? they gave an on-the-spot fine. Whether where that money end up, we, we we don't know, do we? But there was also one of there was one or two other stories as well for some of our mates that that I know from commentary games that were out there that was frog march to a police station for jetty walking, and eventually was let go when they paid when they got to the steps of the uh, of the of the police station. So um, you know, I, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything or any corruption, but you know, you, you, you speak <laughs> I, I as think you, you almost have, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> you speak as you find, don't you? Yes, yeah. yes. And the other thing that really struck me about the place was how cheap it was. We managed to find a bar where it was about, must have been about 25 pence a pint, something like that. Um, it was just basically a bookcase with, with a couple of barrels in it um, and some taps on top of it. And yeah, it was, it was kind of, I think it was in like a newsagent or something like that. And it was, yeah, it was about 25p a pint that was. Soft drinks were considerably more expensive than um, than the than, local than moonshine. I noticed water was more. Water was about a pound a bottle. The food again was really cheap as well. Um, it was it was a lot cheaper than the year before. There was there was a little bit of trouble there. It was actually on our the, the night we arrived. There seemed to be a lot of England fans arriving there on the Sunday. A lot, and I think and there was some even there that was there before the you know the day before we got there on the Saturday. And I think we had a home game on the Saturday. I seem to remember. I can't, can't remember who we played. I'm sure we did. But but either way, we um, we arrived there on the Sunday. And as we arrived, we as I said, we got to our apartment and we went out and we went down the strip. And one of the bars that was pretty full of England fans was attacked by a group of ultras that were in 
balaclavas and they were using smoke grenade well whatever they may have been they would they would maybe uh, flares or something like that and then um, it filled the place full of smoke and they were throwing flower pots and bricks into the um in there just and there, there was quite a lot, few england fans that were injured really i, I remember there being them um, you know the blood-stained um block paving i remember i remember that outside the um, outside the bar and the you know the devastation inside afterwards um yeah. yeah and it was it was it was quite shocking really that and the main thing they were after was the flags um you know they, they took the flags and i think they appeared in the ground um during the game so the, there was there was that as well that um you know that was that was our that was on the first night there wasn't a massive england contingent there I don't know, but for some reason, it sticks in my mind. There was there was 1,985 of us there. Everyone that could have got a ticket got one, and obviously there was a few in the home in the home end that weren't necessarily members. But because a lot of people had been there the year before, I think I don't think it was a particularly attractive fixture. And then it was about 2009, I think as well. We did, I think we played there. So yeah, so 2009. Um, when when I you mentioned this to me. Yeah, I think we lost one nil, and this the two thousand and nine game, if if that was the year, um, was a game I actually watched in the cinema because the uh, the neither say Sky, the BBC, or ITV actually got the rights to the to the footage of it. That's a bit strange, isn't it? It, it was very the last strange. England game that was like that. Was it the Spain game? Was that the last the last time we'd lost? Yeah, well, lost a competitive fixture that wasn't in a tournament. I think the Spain Nations League game. I think the last time before okay. that was, I think it was that Ukraine game. I think so. Ah, I see. As I said, our game was completely unremarkable. One of the many things from that trip that did stand out for me, and I started going to football in the early nineties and um, throughout the nineties. It, it probably did happen, but I was a, I was, I was a kid, so I didn't necessarily notice, notice it. It didn't occur to me as you know, but. It was the kind of the first time where I'd, I'd ever come across any sort of racism in a stadium that I was fully aware of. At the start of the game, the England players were all were all shown up on the screen. You know, it showed a picture of them. So you had Joe Hart and whatever. Which, which initially we thought, oh God, you know, they're showing they're showing pictures of our players. You know, it's not just the names; it's not the, the pictures. And you, you thought, oh, you know, that, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. And then it, it got to like. Number two, Kyle Walker, and it was just a silhouette. And we thought, oh, hang on, you know, this isn't quite. Are they missing right. a picture? Yeah. And it took, and then it kind of Ashley Cole, and you thought, okay, there's another silhouette. And then number four, Gerard, and then it was his picture. And it, nah. you, you kind of realise what was going on, you know, part way, part way through, and you just thought, you know, this is just not right at all. This is, this is, from the previous year when we were going over for the tournament you you had the Sol Campbell documentary and everything else and there was a lot of uh, propaganda put out there about how you know how it's such a, a racist country and so on you got that you, you got there the previous year you, the previous year we thought what a multicultural place it was obviously it was a tournament so you know there was there was people from all over the place that had descended on there but you just sensed that Everyone was embraced. Everyone was kind of the same. But this was the first time it kind of pops up where I thought there's something not right here at all. Um, the only time we really encountered it when we were out there, it was very, very, very strange. It could have just been a complete coincidence that, that, that certain players 
didn't have their um, their faces shown on the um, on the on the big scoreboard. However, you can draw your own conclusions to that. Yeah. What What was the reaction with the England fans am- amongst you to it? Did a lot of people have a pick up on it? I think a few did. A few seemed to round us. However, obviously, when you know you, you hear the player's name uh, read out and you you go, "Well, hey, like that." So, not everyone's necessarily looking at the scoreboard. Mm. So it may not have been picked up by by many, but it was certainly picked up by a few of us. Around it, very very uncomfortable that was. That was the yeah. last time we'd played in Ukraine. So yeah, I'd like to think that maybe the next time we do go there, that the attitudes may have changed and. And things might be a little different, you would hope now. Yeah, I would hope so. It was it was a classic James Milner game. Remember him basically covering every blade of grass and playing in almost every position, apart from in goal. I, the one, I, I just always remember him being right back at one point and then being out on the left wing, uh, going to charging towards their box, and then you know in the next attack, it was just it was just yeah. I mean, he's always stuck out for me as a player that's very underrated. Yeah. Throughout my um, my early Coventry years, we had a guy called Paul Telfer that kind of followed Gordon Strachan wherever he went. He ended up at Southampton and he ended up at Celtic after as well. Um, but Telfer, who's a proper utility player, he played everywhere apart from in goal. Not a lot of people liked him, but because he was always all right, you know, and he got a lot of stick that was unfair. Really, he'd run through walls for you, and and that's, that's I've always thought about that about Milner. But the last two or three years, you look at how well he's actually done, and you think oh, England could really do with a player like him now. They could really, really could. But yeah, I mean, the, Milner stands out in that game for me. Yeah, and um, I think it was Frank Lampard's hundredth cap. Um, it was, yeah, Frank's one hundredth yeah. cap. Um, I say I watched the uh, the footage on YouTube before we've had this chat and, and England played in in those red shirts that were I think they had like the the collar on it and and it had some sort of emblem about I think it was 150 years of the FA underneath the badge so it's red shirts did, white yeah. shorts yeah and, and red gold. socks in gold that's right yeah the, the crest yeah. was in in gold and one of the things that I did notice Obviously, it's like a, a running track ground, but there was a row of white cars behind one of the goals on the uh, the running track. Very sort of reminiscent of the um, the very old Chelsea ground uh, before they renovated it, where they used to have cars behind the goal. I don't know if you remember that. I don't, to be honest. No, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot I remember of that stadium, but I don't actually remember that uh, the the cars at all. No. Um, yeah, the row of white cars. I have to have a watch of that one. And and I watched it, and, and Theo Walcott had a fair few chances in the game. He's another play. I mean, he, I think he got subbed quite late on. I think he... Yeah, he did. He played almost the whole game, I think. But was that one of his last games for England? I don't know. I don't think he played much longer, much more after that, really, I don't think. Um, possibly. I think he, he, he had an ACL, didn't he? Not long after that, I don't think. I think... It was about 2014, 2015, he got his ACL. Um, I think it was Arsenal Spurs, I think he got that. So, you know, that kind of, that would have, that would have finished it really for him anyway, at international level. I do remember him and I do remember how he's, um, you know, how he played in that game. And he's another player that you just look at and you just think, you, you look at games like that and you think, how did he not end up getting more caps than he did? And with the, with the promising start he, he had as well. Yeah. Um, 
it's I find it a bit sad really that a player of that quality was just so badly underused for so for so long and uh, yeah it was just for one reason or another, it didn't work out with him and I mean another player that played in that game was Wilshire and I mean he, he was just coming to the fore as well and you think how good was Jack Wilshire back then and you know the, the game since then like the uh, the one in Slovenia the first game he played there where he he ran the show and scored two and brilliant goals from pretty much the same spot but again which I mean Jack Wilshire what what we, what we should do with a player like him you know that of his caliber of his caliber as, as good as what he could have been it's, there's plenty of players I'm I mean, I've just bought up the squad list now and there's plenty of players in that team that you just look at and you think you know, well, well, yeah, I mean, let's just run run through the team. That it was Joe Hart in goal, Carl Walker, Ashley Cole, Stephen Gerrard was captain, Gary Cahill, Phil Jagielka, Theo Walcott, Frank Lampard, Ricky Lambert, Jack Wilshire, and James Milner. And with the two two subs that came on that day, Ashley Young and Tom Cleverley, um, he came on for um, it was Theo Walcott. Um, so he's one of one of Tom Cleverley's few appearances, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, I've got to say, I don't really remember his his involvement in the game. He only it was only three minutes before <laughs> the end. Um, so, yeah, um, and I mean, he didn't necessarily have a distinguished England career, did he? Most England players that I've seen play, I can say a lot about them, but Tom Cleverley isn't one that I can say a <laughs> lot about, them. to be honest. CJ, thank you very much for uh, for taking us back to 2013 and that and that nil nil draw with Ukraine. It's as I said, it's a place I'd love to go again. Just see what it's like now, and just see whether there's been any kind of rebuilding job to what it was kind of back then. Well, maybe we will. Uh, maybe we'll be drawn with them at some stage soon. Who who knows? But it would be a, certainly an interesting place to go back to. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, mate. Cheers. Magic. You Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Cheers to CJ for his time and you can follow him on Twitter at CJ underscore Covblaze. Ukraine nil, England nil. Proof that you can choose the game you go to, but you can't choose the score. But it's the memories that will stick with you. As I said at the beginning, email me, threelionspodcast at gmail.com or Three Lions Podcast on Twitter. Tell me your first away game and all the stories that go with it, and we'll go about getting you on board. We're also on Facebook and Instagram too, and if you'd be so kind, please do leave a five-star review on the likes of iTunes. would be most appreciated. And as you probably know, we have our other series on the go at the moment, looking at England at the European Championships. We're halfway through that at the moment, reliving previous disasters and occasional successes, speaking with various England fans. And all those previous episodes can be found at threelionspodcast.com. And I'll drip feed some more over the next few months. Until the next time, stay safe, look after each other. Cheers. Cheers.